Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehakol Nehiyeh Bidvaro Divrei Torah in the Shi'ar today should be a schos a shalema to a young 10 year old child we got about Sheva Bas Tziro Brocha Dedicated as well, Achvod the Shloshim of Tzipor Rivka Bas Yehuda, Aleh Hashalom the Eidik and Hashem Shvisocha to a tremendous Aliyas and Hashem and Gan Eden Shemayla Mechayil Achayil Emet Hashem, and Beschos that all the Holy Israel and all those still in captivity should be freed, should be healed, Rafuos and Yeshuas Simchas and Besuos Tovas for all of Klai Yisrael Bekarov Emet Hashem. So we're holding with Siyata Deshmai at the outset of the second parak in Shmuel Aleph in the midst of the unparalleled Tefila Schana, a woman a barren for oh so many years, finally being Zochah to a Gavaldig and Yeshua, recognizing that with all her Ishtalus and all her Tefilos, and with her Choshevet Tzadik of her husband Elkanah, with the Broch of the Kohen Gadol Eli, she recognized that when all is said and done, as she opened up, Kisamati Bishuasach at the close of Pasak Aleph, my simcha is what in your salvation, Kivisi Achverak, Bashem Yisbarch, I put all my confidence. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu kisamachti b'shua secha. We mentioned many times Ramosha Wolfson in his Amunah Sitecha Parshas Kisavo, and also in his comments on the Yantav of Sukkis that in the Hershey rule of phonetic cognates, words in Lashon Hakodesh that sound alike are so often interrelated. If you want to always be b'simcha, you know what the key ingredient is to be so mechan Hashem. Ainochanami, one is with the Samech and one is with the Sin, but in the words of Loshan Kodesh, if they sound alike, they are alike, explains the Mashkir Katurvadas. Hamunasitecha, if you're Samech on Hashem, you're always relying on Akurish Brochu, as the Navi David Amelah tells us until him. Kapitol Nunhe and Pasach of Gimel, Hashlich Al Hashem Yahab Chavu Yachakalacha, cast all your worries onto the one above, and he will support you, he will sustain you. If you recognize that you're always leaning and being supported by none other than Akurish Brochu, if you're Somech on Hashem, you'll always be Besimcha. But if you feel Ne'ezav Dahainu abandoned by the Almighty above, that's what engenders and triggers feelings of that I am now in a state of despair and despondency, atzvus, depression. If you feel ne'ezav, that's what's going to make you feel ne'ezav. But if you're somech, you'll always be besimcha. That's the key to recognize. Hashalach HaLoshem, cast all your worries onto the one above. And he will support you, he will sustain you. We mentioned in the past as well, Rebetzin Tema Kamenetsky, her husband, Roshmo Yibodol Lechaim from the Shom, undergoing a surgery. And this week, he should have a full shalem of social Hashem. But it was his Rebetzin, Zechon Elorach, who pointed out why in the world would David Melach invoke a terminology of Hashlech, cast your worries, so to speak, throw your troubles onto God. And he will support you, he will sustain you. Now, if you were talking to anyone of respect, of reverence, would you ever throw them something? Here, Rabbi Catch, I'm throwing you something. Here, Rebbitson, I'm throwing you this. Here, I want to, you don't throw something, you give it to them. Here, my dad, I'm throwing, you don't throw something. Hashlech, you hand it to them in a sinam yad liyad. Why is it hashlech? Explain the Rebbitson, tell me, if you're really so mechan Hashem, 
you have to show it that you're relinquishing all bias, all self-control, all ownership over your troubles. You're putting your hands, everything solely, putting yourself solely in the hands of the Almighty above. When a child truly trusts his parents, he's willing to fall backwards knowing his father's going to catch him. So that's the same idea over here. It's not so respectful, but what do we want to convey? David Amelach says in Tilim, I so trust you. I am so make all of me on you exclusively that Hashem catch my worries I'm throwing them all to you you know when he's going to support and sustain you only when you show him that it's all in his hands exactly what she goes on to say there's no one holy like God three distinct points and this one, a nine-word pasuk, pasuk base, a kadosh kashem number one, kein beltecha number two, vein tzur kelakena number three, a kadosh kashem. No one is holy and moved off from this world like a kadosh brachu. He is moved off shemetzim. He is up there in the kisa covenant shemei shemayim. He is kelakadosh. He is moved off. He is separated from everything. Kein beltecha, and there is no other koach in the world besides God. And no other koach. Every koach comes to Hakadosh Baruch Hu Shema Yisrael. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Whether you see Hashem Midas Arachemim or Elokeinu Midas Adin, it's all Hashem Echad. It's all coming from the same exact place. And that's where the Sam Sefer explained when Moshe Rabbeinu had the age-old question: Why do bad things happen to good people? Brochas Davzayinam and Al Tzadik Varelo Roshav Betovlo. Why do the wicked prosper? Why do bad things happen to good people? So one answer to the Gemara is. Hashem said, You can't see Tunus Hashem lo Yavit, but Vereisa Esachora. You can see me from the back. What does that mean, see me from the back? Malame, Elizabeth Akarpa explains that Hashem shall know Shabainu the Kesher Tfilin. And what does the Kesher Tfilin highlight? When you look at a man who is donning Tfilin, you see two distinct, mutually exclusive straps coming down in the front. When you see it, you don't know that it's coming from the same place. You think it's two separate straps. One on the right, can I get out from me to Chesed. One in the left, Keneged Yitzchak, Pachar Yitzchak, Midas Adin. Hashem says, Moshe, you're looking at me from the front. You see what you, what appears to you to be two distinct Hanhogas Abore. One Chesed, Keneged Avram. One in the left, Keneged Yitzchak, Midas Adin. But Moshe, come behind the world's curtain. Come behind the stage. And I'm going to show you that both straps, Hashem showed him as Kesher Shotfilin, they both come from the same place. Both straps emanate from one source in the back of the head and they come forward in the front. That the Nechama we give to a mourner when we go for a Shiva visit. What do you say? What's Hamakam? Hashem was Makama Shololam. But many Mepharshim are troubled. Why Davka specifically in this context we refer to Hashem as the Makam? To highlight this very Nakuda. Hamakam, you think it's coming from one Makam the Din and one Makam the Chesed? They're coming from the very same place. Hamakam, when you recognize that Hashem is Makama Shololam and Hain the Din and Hain the Chesed, they're all Noveya, they both emanate from the same Malcolm, the same place, that's Yenachim, that'll give you the ultimate comfort, that'll give you that change of shift in perspective. That it's all coming from a kodesh That's why in Agodah Pesach, as we transition from Masra Beginus and the Sayim Mishvach, what do we say? Baruch Hamakom Baruch What's Baruch Hamakom? Because we endured the 210 years of abject, oppressive slavery, the Avodas Parach, and we said, "Where's the God of Racham?" And Hashem says, "Hold on to your seats. Just be a little bit patient. The same God who gave you the Avodas Parach is going to give you the ultimate Yeshua and the Yisamakas and Kriyas Yamsuf and Maimon Asinai Baruch Hamakom." 
makom, it's all coming from the same makom. It's all coming from the same place. In fact, what do you think is the number one best-selling book in the history of Judaic-related literature? After, of course, the Bible. Nothing comes close to the Bible. After all the hundreds of millions of copies of the Bible, what's the number one best-selling Jewish-related book in the history of printing press? Why good things happen to people? Harold Kushner. Conservative rabbis, why do bad things happen to good people? Moshe expressed it as Tzadik Varela, Rosh and Kushner, of course, translated as why do bad things happen to good people, and that's the terminology we typically express. It is the best selling book. Why? Because it's the number one question on everybody's mind throughout history. Throughout all the inquisitions, pogroms, crusades, and holocausts and genocides, and Rahman today, and why do bad things happen to good people? So, why do you think he wrote the book? He lost his son. He lost his son. He had a 12-year-old son, Andrew, who was afflicted with RAS, Rapid Aging Syndrome. Uh, Unfortunately, a terrible, terrible disease where a child grows up and ages incredibly rapidly that at the point of 12 years old, he's the equivalent of a 70, 80-year-old man. Rapid Aging Syndrome. So Dennis Prager years ago interviewed Kushner's wife and said, Mrs. Kushner, did your husband's book do anything for you? And she said, no, it did not come for me. Why? Because in the end of the day, we could give 20, 30 disparate approaches to explain this age-old question, but it's all intellectual approaches and responses. In the end of the day, it's an emotional pain, an emotional stress and agony, and all the intellectual approaches are not going to assuage and modify uh, that person's pain. Uh, What was his theory? Interestingly enough, he concluded, espousing more or less 6th century Persian Zoroastrianism, that there is a koacha force of evil in the world outside of God that God cannot control. Now this, of course, is Apikorsus Gemurah. as is heresy. That's why people should not be reading this book. Uh, that's why it didn't do anything for Kushner's wife, because it's all Sheker. At the end of the day, it's Sheker Gavar. So asked Rabbi Gershenfeld, Roshiva Machon Shlomo. says, Kushner, if I was here, I would ask you an obvious question. Why would you conclude that there's a force of evil outside of God that God can control? Why not just say more simply that maybe God is not a just, benevolent, and kind God? He can't conclude that. Because in the end of the day, we all know instinctively and automatically, it's in our heart of hearts, that Hashem Yisbrach has a kelchan and varachan. We know that Hashem isn't here to punish, isn't here to inflict pain and agony. It's all for our best. It's all 100% Latov. We all believe in Rabbi Akiva, whether we know it or not. Rabbi Akiva, when he told us, And as his Rebbe Nochem Mishkam said, that the Gemar Chagiga tells us he served him for 22 years, his Rebbe said in even Hayim Adrega, explained about Shem Tov, I don't need to wait to Litov of it to see the good. Gamzu Litova. I could point right here and right now, and I can already see the good. I mentioned this morning, this past Shabbos, and the Shabbos morning Dosh, I received an email this week pointing out we all know at the beginning of Pasha Stoch of the flood. What caused the flood? Because Vatimalayats, Hamas. Because Hamas filled the world. The Gematria of Hamas is 108. And the Gematria of Gehenim, hell on earth, Gehenim is 108. And the Gematria of May Noach, the Navi Yeshai and Pasha Ki May Noach Zosli, May Noach 108. And Rabbi says, you know what the Mabel was? It was a huge mikvah. Uh, that was needed to purify the world, to purge it of all imperfection and, and malfeasance and wrongdoing. So you needed a big mikvah. What's the shear of a mikvah? Memsa. This time it's memsola mabul. A memsola mabul 
is 108. Kehenim 108. Menoch 108. Hamas 108. Where do you think this Gemara is discussed? In Tanejan. And what daf? 108. Kufches. It's 108. So you can look at the Tzara Neged, the Tzara Ra. Or you could turn it around, as I expressed in the beginning of the Roshi. You know what else equals exactly 108? Chaste Hashem. Yudke Vavke. Chaste Hashem. Kilo Samnu. Kilo Chalurachamav. As we say in Megillah Seicha, when we're mourning all that we lost, that we became bereft of, and the Churban Abayas, and all the people that were killed. Chaste Hashem. Kilo Samnu. Look at the Chaste Hashem. Chaste Hashem equals exactly 108. And so does Gam Zulutaifa. Gam Zulutaifa 108. So you can look at it's always a scale, always a balance. You can look at the Hamas, at the Kehenim, at the Meinoach, at the Memsol, the Mikvah, you can look at Chasti Hashem. People look at the people killed from the missiles. Think about it. How many missiles? Over 7,500 missiles already came in. And the last few weeks, over 7,500 missiles and barely any civilian casualties. And you see what happens. One missile of the Palestinian Jihad that goes awry and goes into us with a parking lot. They claim 500. In the end, some of them see 10 and 50. But we know that every single missile can easily kill 10 to 50. And we've got 7,500. Look at all the Chaste Hashem, how much Hashem is saving us from. When they interviewed the terrorist months ago one of the terrorists and they said why do you keep firing the missiles if you see they're not doing the damage you're intending to inflict why do you keep firing them he says I know he says the Jewish God is on their side because we fire these missiles how bad are your missiles he says they're not bad he says we have good aim he says but we just uh, God is moving their missiles for them so why do you keep firing them because we're waiting for their God to get angry at them when they have civil discord and conflict and when there's fighting infighting in the ranks of the Jewish people then we know the Jewish God is going to get upset and then he's going to let the missile sit. But even the terrorists admitted, I can't imagine. We're firing good quality missiles, but their God is steering them away. It's not the Patriot missiles and it's not the Iron Dome. We do our Ishtalas, but it's Hashem deciding whether it's going to hit its intended target and whether it's going to work in the end of the day. Kisamati Bishua Sechachana says, it all comes down to the Yeshua of Akarishbucho. There's no force of evil that God cannot control. He controls everything. He's the divine puppeteer, Kaviyachal, orchestrating every aspect, every event of mankind. And Kadash Kashem, there's no one wholly above, separated from all the mundane world, above and beyond the realm of time. There is no force, no power outside of God. And there is no solid rock like a Kodesh Baruch Solid rock in the sense, Rashi citing the Gemara Baruch Hu's Ain't Why? Because you can have an artist and you could draw a portrait, a picture on a piece of canvas, but you can't infuse and breathe the life into that picture. God can make anything and everything come alive. That's the rock of the world. God is involved in the Bria. That is why we shift from Kadosh Kadashem to Elokeinu. Hashem is the Shem Etzim. That's the shame that we can't enunciate, that we can't articulate. That's God is the Shem Etzim on His Kisya Kavit. And the Olam Silos, a way we don't understand, we don't fully comprehend God, but ain't so kilokeno, alokeno in the sense of the Bali Yacholos, Bala Kochos Kulam, Ilos Kola Ilos, Sibos Kola Sibos. As the Torah writes, every time we say the word alokeno, we're highlighting what? He is Bala Kochos Kulam. He controls all the Koch in the world, and that's the ultimate rock, that he can go ahead and manipulate the Bria, all manifold acts of creation at the will. So not only is God above the realm of time, not only is there no other power, no other force, 
exists in the world besides God, but he is constantly actively involved in the world, manipulating the world at will. He is the ultimate artist who is always observing, watching his creations and world of creation ever so closely, scrutinizing to make sure all the pieces of the puzzle are exactly where they need to be at any moment in time. That is the God that Chana is thanking for giving her the child after all these years. I heard something once from Rabbi Fran, by the way, is sitting Shiva now, and uh, he said that when you look at the back, mm-hmm. it's only later on, after we go up you know, the Esrim, that we're going to understand Sadiq Varalo. That's right. That, that's why one of the examples the Bali Musa give, you have those diagrams where you take the needles and you take the thread and you weave it all around. On the back, it looks like a big mess, but on the front, it could look like a sailboat, a bouquet of flowers. From the front, it all looks, I'm sorry, from the front, if you, it depends which angle. One angle, it's all a mess. It all depends. It's the same as says. You could look at a suit. And in the end of the day, but if I take apart the suit, right, then you'll see all the different parts that went into the suit. You don't know everything that went into the suit or the dress. Only when you take it all apart and put it back together, that's when you can understand. So that's all based on Yisodro Shlomo Kluger. Is this the first time Sora's mentioned? That we would have to check. I know she's the first one to mention Svat Kos, as we pointed out in Perik Aleph. She's the first one the Gemara says, Abrochas, Abrochas Laman Aleph. Her first Hashem is Svat Kos. But Sur that we have to check. Sur is used in uh, Hazino. Hazino we have Sur. Rabbi in Rosh Hashanah, we do yes. Hashlech. Also, we throw away. They're throwing away. They're throwing away all the sins. <laughs> okay. Sometimes it's good. <laughs> yes, uh, Hashlech Hashem. Give, give Hashem all our worries. Give Hashem everything, 100%. So then we explained last week in Pasek Gimel that uh, she was highlighting Chana, Tarbu, Tadabru, Gavo, Gavo, don't speak with arrogance. Continuing this train of thought that God is in control. Don't be haughty. The Gemara says in Sotahim and Aleph, God says, I cannot live with a haughty person in this world. Uh, there's nothing to be haughty about. Why? God knows what's going on in the world and He even knows Yamal Shavas. The only time in all of Tanakh we refer to Hashem as Keldeus is right here in Shmuel Aleph, Perik Beis, Pasek Gimel, and all of Tanakh the only time you refer to Hashem as Keldeus, not only did Chana introduce Tzavakos to the world, she is letting the world know that Hashem knows all the thoughts, everything that's going on. He is the Kel, Kel HaGod He is the God who knows every single thing that we're thinking. He is Keldeus Hashem, Velo Niskunu Alilas, and all of man's deeds and different actions are all accounted by him. There's going to be a reckoning because Hashem knows our Maisa, our Dibur, our Machshava. Hashem knows my Machshava, knows that I wanted a son, not for my own COVID. I wanted the son for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I wanted it to Lamano and not to Lamani. When we want something for Reboi Kod Shemayim, for Kiddush Shemayim, that's the best way we get answered. That's why that should be the focus for Chaim Eloshan writes. And it's a notion to all the Tfilis of the Yom Narayim, the main focus of all the is, I'm not answering, I don't want answers to my Tullus Hashem for me. I don't want life for me. I don't want a children, Shalom Bayis, Parnasa, Gizunt. I don't want it for me. I want it to Lamancha. Say Lamancha Velo Lamanenu. I want it to give COVID to HaKadosh Ruch. I want it because I want to be around to think HaKadosh Ruch. HaKadosh Ruch said the biggest school of Arichas Yamam is you know I want another year in life because there's more to do for you and for Klai Yisrael HaKadosh Ruch. If it's all self-centered then you're not necessarily going to get a Yeshua but if you make your focus Hashem I am Nitzrach Larabim. So you make yourself needed by the Tzibur, by the cow, by your extended family. You want to do something for Hashem and for Klai Yisrael. That the Chavetz Chaim said is the biggest gula for Rishis Yom. On to Pasuk Dalad this week. 
But she's going to have the next ensuing verses turning the spotlight on. The contrast, again, highlighting that Hashem is in control of everything. He can take the people on top, bring them low, people down low, and bring them on top and elevate and uplift them above their oppressors. So she starts this theme with Posig Dalit. Kesheski Borim Chatit. The keshes, the bow, bow and arrow, one of the primary means of warfare in the time of Chana. But what's unique about the keshes as opposed to the cherev? Pachar biyubakashti. What's the difference between fighting hand to hand combat with sword versus bow and arrow? It's the distance. When you're fighting with a sword, <coughs> then what? You're basically saying. Uh, the mightier person is going to win. When you're fighting with the bow and arrow, you're taking advantage, saying what? I can go ahead and shoot the arrow, and they don't know where it's coming from. They can't find me. It's more of a cowardly type of attack. It's basically emphasizing the weakness of the target. He can't see me. He doesn't know where it's coming from. I've got the power to shoot the arrow from the distance, but I'm not willing to engage in hand-to-hand combat. That's the Keshesh. And that, of course, is Yishmael. What is Yishmael described as? Rove Koshes. What are they? They're people in the bow and arrow. Supposed to Aesop? Aesop is the sword. You look around in the world today. When the Goyim go to war, when America goes to war, when Russia goes to war, when the descendants of Aesop go to war, what is it? It's hand-to-hand combat. It's World War One. It's World War Two. It's getting the tanks and the artillery and the infantry and the Marines and the army. It's everybody fighting. But what is Yishmael? Yishmael is hiding behind kindergartens and hospitals and mosques in a cowardly fashion. And they're rover caches. They're saying, we're going to shoot the missiles from a distance. We're not willing to engage because we know we're going to lose. So we have to hide with our citizens as shields, as our protection. And we're going to hide as Israel just came out with this week, having missile launchers based adjacent to kindergartens, coming right behind mosques, right behind the hospital. That is Yishmoel. So you think, oh, they got the power? You think they're the Gibor? They're not the Gibor, and that's why it's Chaser Vav. You think they're Giborim, but they're Chaser Vav. And you don't have the Vav and the Giborim. They hold on to the Keshes thinking we wield the ultimate power. We could shoot the missiles from a distance. We could go ahead and engage in warfare through our bow and arrow and missiles and think that we're on top. But Khatim, Khatim is a lotion of breaking them down. And that's exactly what Hashem does, right? What is the trade of God, so to speak? He is a matish esakiborim, machazik esachaloshim rashi, citing the Midrash and Shmuel. Hashem easily in one moment could do all, instantly weaken those who seem to possess the brute strength, and he can instantly strengthen those who appear to be weak. And that's the contrast in Pasik Dalad that we're going to see. And the theme continuing in the ensuing verses. Keshes Kiborim Chatim, the bows. Hashem can smash and break the bow of the mighty ones. And those who are Nirshol, the Chaloshim, the weaker ones. Azuchayel Hashem can instantly gird them with strength, with all the strength that they need to overcome and overtake the Kiborim. Why is the Keshes called a Keshes? Besides the fact that it's shaped like a bow, but what, what was the reason that she made it shaped like a bow? So the Bnei Yisachar explains. How is the bow shaped? If you look at a bow, it's an upside-down U. So why is it facing that way? Think about a U, upside-down. It's an upside-down letter U. Right? The din of a Rebbe, the Bnei Yisachar. If you're shooting, what is the Keshes? The symbol that what? Uh, we know from this past week's parsha when Hashem wants to destroy the world, but He upholds the bris. How does what's the sign that He's signaling? 
to the world. The whole idea, and we see it in the Nusach of the Brocha on the rainbow, is that Hashem will uphold his bris. That means Hashem, so the world is sinning, and Hashem intends to destroy the world, and he's not destroying the world because he gave Noah and his descendants a promise, and thus we have the rainbow, right? So when you shoot a bow and arrow, think about how is it shaped? You hold it horizontally. The you, the arrow is facing that way. So if Hashem is shooting down at us, it should be the letter U. It should be the bow is facing as if Hashem wants to shoot us. Hashem says, I never want to destroy you, Kai Yisrael. See, even when I give you the signal that I might have had a habamin, I might have intended to destroy you, right? So instead of the letter U, it's an upside down U. It's the bow where the bow is now facing whom? Hashem, right? The bow should be a letter U. Hashem is shooting arrows, so to speak, ready to kill. Kai is ready to destroy the world. But instead, Hashem makes a rainbow, which is an upside down U, which has the bow facing upwards, that it's Kilo aiming its target, its arrows at HaKadosh Rochu B'chavod Hashem say, more than you think, I'm hurting you anytime I want to destroy you. It's hurting me. It's causing me much more pain than it's causing you. That's the Tzar Shina. I never am going to kill you. The rainbow is the symbol that Netzach Yisrael or Yishakar, I will never kill you. See, even when I intend to cause you a patch and inflict pain, even then you should know it's causing me much more pain than it's causing you. And the barrel is, uh, the bow is thus facing upwards instead of downwards. That's the B'nai Yisrael. So, uh, continues that theme that it's all Netzach Yisrael. Why is she highlighting this now? Because she's saying, well, look at the contrast of me and Penina. Penina had how many children? Ten. She had ten children, the Khan had zero. And what happens, Rashi's going to cite the Medrash in the very next Pasuk, uh, that what took place, so every child that Khan now had, uh, due to her intense and heartfelt villas, Panina lost two. She had one child, but because Panina taunted her, and even though her rationale might have been Lashem Shemayim, uh, you leave the Ruchlius up to God. You take care of your friends, Gashmius. Take care of your friends going through pain. Don't say, oh, you know what, because oh, you spoke Lashem Oles. Oh, because you did this. Uh, your job is take her out for yogurt, take her out for lunch, pick her up, give her a nice cappuccino, but not at Starbucks these days anymore. Uh, go ahead and treat her to a nice lunch out. Uh, go ahead and give her a nice time, but don't do what? Don't tell her you have to fix this. Leave that up to God. That's God's domain, and that was Panina's mistake. And thus, every child Khan had, Panina lost too. So she's joined the couches. Panina was on top, and I was on bottom. And Panina thought she was on top, and she was shooting arrows that pierced my heart. That's part of the metaphor of the Keshes. She was piercing my heart, and I was the Nuchshal. I was the unfortunate one. I was the foundering one. And Hashem girded me with strength by giving me a son and additional children as well. And so she continues the thing. Sveim Alechem Neskaru. Those who are Sveim. And I think you can't ignore the obvious correlation of Sveim and Shiva that we're about to see. Sveim Alechem Neskaru. Those who initially might have been satisfied and sated. Am I having all their lechem, all their sustenance, all their livelihood? And his skaru will become so impoverished and so utterly destitute, they will have to hire themselves out to work in order to make their daily bread and sustenance. Who were even people that at the outset initially might have been starving and hungry. Chadelu cease to be hungry because they have all the food at their disposal. And continuing that theme, that's exactly what took place in the contest of Chano and her co-wife Penina. Ada Kora Yelda Shiva. Awal the barren one. 
ended up bearing seven children. The rabbis bonim the one who had many children, Umlola became bereft of all of her children. The conscious of Khan and Penina, the seesaw, Kishizek comes and no fell, all in the hands of a Kodesh Sveyam and Shiva. Now, did Khan have seven children? How many children did she have? Let's go to the end of the Perak. Let's take a little peek. And the last Pasuk in Perak Beis, and we'll have our answer. Uh, not the last Pasuk, but Pasuk Chafalov before the Samech. Kifakan Hashem Eschano. Hashem remembered Chana and gave her the ability to conceive. How many children did she have? She had three sons and two daughters. And she had Shmuel. So in the end of the day, she didn't have seven children. So why does she use the lotion of seven? Excellent. That's Rashi. Excellent. So let's start with Rashi. Those who have Rashi, a very Yisodistic Rashi. Rashi, of course, is bothered. Pshuto Shemikro, she didn't have seven seven children. Rashi takes us later on to that Pasuk Chaval of a Taylor Toshabonim Shtebonus. So explains Rashi, Alpi Chazal, Shechani Yolet Asech, Penino Kavera Shnai. Every child that Chana was Zochah to, her co-wife Penina lost two of her own. How many children did Penina start with? Asara, that's why she said. Chana said to Chana at the beginning in Parakalif, Hello Anochi Tavlach, may Asara Bonim. Psikta says from the Asara Bonim that Penina gave me. So Penina had ten. So remember, what did we just say? She had three sons and two daughters. So she had five children. That means when she already had four, how many did Penina lose? She lost eight. Mm-hmm. She only had two children remaining. When she was pregnant now, when she was going to give birth to child number five, why Panina waited until this point in time? That also needs what is going on with Panina. That's a whole separate schmooze. But after she lost eight children, only then does she wake up and does she plead at the feet of Chana. And at the end of the day, why did she merit to have two final children alive? Only because of the tefillus of Chana Hashem. Please give my co-wife Panina and let her two remaining children live. Elu Dibra Nechem Yehuda says... I'll give you a different answer, B'nai Bonim, Harain Kabonim, and that's what gets us up to seven. Those are two answers. We'll get to the third answer in a second that the Radak mentions as well. But Ram Nechemia says, she didn't have seven children. She had five. She had three sons and two daughters. But through her tefillahs, Panina's last two children remain. Five and two, like the Gemara says. In Sanhedrin, your testament base, Kola Megado Yosem, so Beso Kiliodo, Kamalaminus Ben Chavero Torah Kiliodo. So, therefore, who gave life to those final two remaining children of Panina Chana? It's as if she gave birth to them five and two, that's seven. One final terrace, and then we'll get to the Kasha. Rashi and the Radak bring an interesting Gamatria. Shmuel is Gamatria 377, the Gamatria of the word Shiva. Shin, Vez, I, and Hey. 377. Say, even though she had a number of children, who was her favorite? Who was the ultimate? 
Shmuel, of course, the first one, uh, the one that she waited all those years. So that was her reference. Adakara Yalda Shiva. It's very good that Shiva the right the Radak says Shiva means many. Just like seven symbolizes the dominating ubiquitous number in this world of Teva. So she meant I had many children, but she was Marames. Shmuel is equal to them all. Shmuel Gematria 377, the word Shiva. Likewise, Gematria 377. And thus three explanations offered by the Rishonim. Why did she invoke the number seven? Seven is Lavdafki, it just means many, but it's a Gematri of Shmuel. Or answer number two, B'nai Bonim, Arei Kebonim. And it could be that, even though that also needs a beer of Yehuda, then she had many more than seven, but including grandchildren. But Pasha, she had many more than that. But Renachemia says that the final two children of Penina were due to her tfilas, and that's Rabbi's Bonim of Lola. She became bereft of all of her children except for the final two that she davened for, and that's why she became totally bereft. She really was going, she was destined to lose even the final two, and it's only because of Hannah's heartfelt pleas before Hashem is broke that she even had the last two remaining. Yes? It seems that the punishment that Penina got is extremely severe. And yes. I can't say I'm unfortunate because I understand it, but I'm going to explain. So that's what I'm saying. Panina, it really needs a beer. Can you repeat the uh, of course, she's asking an excellent question. So Panina did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Why was she deserving of losing all of her children? Mm-hmm. Again, we, we have to understand if Alcona married Panina, and Panina was right there alongside Khan, we're talking about at Sadakis. And when we talk about a huge tzadakas, the Gemara says in Yavamus Kuf Chafalav, Hashem is medatek b'tzadikim k'yuchot ha'sayro. So we have no concept, why did the Elvis, why did Yaakovino, the Bechir Shabbos, have to suffer the way he did with Yosef and Dina and Esav and Lovin and all those troubles. Part of the idea is, number one, they're getting all their uh, kapara 100% in this world so that there would be no tika necessary for the next world. Another idea is to teach us and to highlight that tzadikas. And this is something the Ramchal talks about, that sometimes Tzadikim, in addition, the Ramchal says, one aspect is, Hashem is medati b'tzadikim b'chut ha'sayro, and those, no onesh is magilahem, but because there's such a Tzadik Tzadikas, they'll get all their onesh in this world and nothing in the next world. Even then one can argue, but to lose all of the children, part of the idea the Ramchal says, is that, and that's why this is all recorded by Shmuel and Tanakh, and that it's all lessons for all of Klai Yisrael, the Dorei Doros. All the and the ensuing punishments. And we're not here to speak badly about Panina. We're here to record this on the pages of Tanakh to teach Christ all important lessons for all of history. That's why the Malvin, the Barbanel talk about even the sins all throughout, say for Shoftim, for example, oftentimes they're embellished in a sense to bring out the hate, not because from their perspective of that day and age where they such a huge shchet, but we need to know about it, the Dore Doris, the same with Chet Ego, we make such a big deal about Chet Ego, it was a huge sin, how many people actually perpetrated bowing down to the golden calf, they were about 3,000 people, but Chazal told us, everyone, we didn't stop them, we weren't mochiach them, we didn't prevent it, so in a sense, we're all held liable and we're suffering on Ha'ad Yomazem. Tramchal says, sometimes Hashem will give a tzaddik or tzaddikas, a much greater punishment than they would ever need to deserve, all to teach us how great of a Tzadik and Tzadikas they were. That what? To teach us, Ramchal gives a marshal. If you're at a fair and you want to sell the best pots and pans to people, what do you do? You take your pan, you hold it up high and you take uh, a big hammer and you start smashing the pan and your mom is smashing, you're saying, everybody look, I got the best pans in the world, look what I'm selling. I could take a hammer, I could put it over the fire and I could smash it a hundred times and it doesn't get a dent 
These are the best pants in the world. Hashem says that tzaddik is going to get so much more schar in the next world. Why? Because sometimes Hashem will use a tzaddik or tzaddikas and give them a punishment far greater than they're deserving of to hold them up and say, look, I'm giving her such a rough, severe punishment. And she's not complaining. We don't see anywhere that Panina's complaining. She's accepting the punishment. She's understanding what she did was wrong. That's a tzaddikas. That's what it means in Evan Hashem. That's what a botea Hashem. And I'm going to give her a great reward for it in the next world for accepting punishment. The same way tzaddikim sometimes have to suffer for a whole generation. When a tzaddik suffers and a tzaddik's not deserving of pain, sometimes that level of undeserved Tikkun is simultaneously taken for an entire generation because it wasn't Magia that's on it. For example, the Chavetz Chaim, the saintly, pious Chavetz Chaim, lost a son in law at a young age, and the son in law was known all over Iran and in Europe as an unbelievable Tzadik, as a Lamed Vavnik. He lost his son in law at a young age, and his daughter cannot be consulted. Couldn't comfort his daughter. And the Chavetz Chaim tried, and his daughter said, I understand, I know my husband. If anyone knows, it's the spouse. It says, oh, the world. It says, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, my husband was a tzaddik, was a lamed, vovnik, was a tzaddik. How can Hashem take him away? Chavetz Chaim said, it's a good question. Two weeks later, the Chavetz Chaim came back to his daughter. And he called his daughter over and said it was revealed to the Chavetz Chaim in a dream at night that there was going to be a pogrom in Europe. And 1,000 Jews were going to lose their lives. Which means 1,000 families negatively affected, which means Rachman al-Litzlan in today's matzah, it's not 1,300, it's not 1,400, it's tens of thousands, it's close 14 million the world over. We're all feeling the pain. Imo anochi v'tzara, nevasibolam chavero. And Chavitz Chaim was revealed to him in a dream. He told true story. He told his daughter, 1,000 Jews who are going to be brutally killed in a pogrom, and in Shemayim, Michael and all the Malachim came in front of the Kisah Covenant and said, why can't we pick one tzaddik? And in one tzaddik who is not deserving of any punishment, and let's take him away instead prematurely and let that be a kapara for 1,000 lives. Chavetz Chaim said, you know who they picked? They picked one of the biggest tzaddikim in the door. They picked your husband to be the tzaddik that in his premature demise that will atone and expiate for the 1,000 people who were supposed to be killed, and your husband saved all those tens of thousands of fat people that were going to be negatively affected, and with that she took comfort. Now she knew what a tzaddik she was really married to, that his punishment, who wouldn't give up his or her life to save tens of thousands of people, and that was the son of all the chavetz. What about all the soldiers that are doing this now? Jumping on grenades so that they save their fellow comrades. That's the power of Klai Yisrael. That we risk our own lives to save the lives of others, that's, that's Klai Yisrael. It's the beauty of Klai Yisrael. So Penino, on one aspect could be Enechrami, Hashem is Medakit, and especially in the Mida, Keregamido. Okay, Hashem, so take away two children, take a, she had five, take away five. Why didn't that take away all ten? Part of it is and that she never questioned a Kaddish Baruch Hu. How could the Klozim of lose eleven children in the Holocaust? How could the saintly Halig of Klozim of lose his wife and eleven children and his entire Hasidus? And yet, what? Look at the Chizik the Klozim of gave to the world that you could have someone who loses eleven children. Uh, Penina at least had two remaining. Klozim of lost eleven and his wife. And he comes to Netanyahu, and he builds up Sans Klonsenberg Hasidus, Laniato Hospital, starts Mifel Shas, becomes one of the Gedoli Yisrael. <laughs> we have 
Can't imagine what a closing book of Rebbe was when someone teaches the world. That's the Ramchal. Hashem says, look, I could take a tzaddik, I could bang him and hit him from all sides. I could give him all the patches conceivable to mankind. And still he's from the closing book of Rebbe told Rosh I was on a call with Rosh last week and Rosh shared with the group of him. He said, I was close with the closing book of Rebbe. He was my Rebbe. And his father helped the closing book of Rebbe bury the dead when they were liberated from Auschwitz. He said, I need someone to help me bury the dead. <coughs> they went around digging with their hands the Kvorin, uh, to bury. <coughs> In fact, uh, Kozma Gareva said to Rav Weiss's father, and the merit of you helping me be metapable with all these Masei mitzvah, all the Mase mitzvahs, burying them. <coughs> when they got liberated, he says, what do you want from me back in return? <coughs> Rosh Hashanah's father answered the Klozim Rebbe, the young Klozim Rebbe, there's only one thing I want from you, Rebbe. I want a bracha that all of my sons should be Tamir Chacham. Rosh says, all of my father's sons are Tamir Chacham. He says, and you think, and Rosh Hashanah is the most famous of them all. He says, I have two brothers who are much bigger Tamir Chacham than I am, he says. They're just not as famous, they don't speak as well, write as well. He says, they're bigger to Mecham than he is. That's all my father wanted. He says, I was close to the Kozim Rebbe. He says, the Kozim Rebbe told me that I lost, he says, my wife, my 11 children, my Hasidus. I want you to know, I was never Mahar Achamidos of Shokarish Baruch. I was the Kozim Rebbe. You know what chizik that gives to Klai He wasn't deserving of that. But if Hashem gives someone something that he wasn't at all deserving of, and he's still a tzaddik, and he's still a demachacham, he's still the paradigmatic Eved Hashem, that gives us chizik, and he's still holding on. He was ah, going to this star, this star, he's still holding on. That gives us chizik. I bet it wasn't fair to him. Hashem says, I will repay you 10, 20, 100 fold for all the tzitkas you showed the world by not questioning the Almighty above. Because Magrebo is getting all the schar in the world more than we can imagine. Hashem has many different cheshbonos. That was the cause of Magrebo, and that's the ability to go on and to keep fighting and to keep plugging. <clears throat> that was the Rebbe, that was many Holocaust survivors, and that's now Panina. We don't find Panina questioning Kurdish broker. We don't find her complaining. She accepted, she just pleaded from Chana. I made a mistake. Big Sharach come in. And now Chana allows her to have her two remaining children. And the end of the day, life and death is in the hands of whom? Ach Barak, the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Tainiz Beisam and Aleph, the Mavteach, Vetchis HaMesim, and Chius is solely in the hands of the Ebeshter. Hashem, Memes Simachaya, I notice Hashem, highlighting Hashem's Vidas HaRachamim. Hashem sometimes decides a person has to leave this world, but Hashem sometimes creates life, not only in the literal sense of death and life, but as the Mephoshim point out, things that are comparable to death. And one of them is, Nedarim Who are the four people? Considered like Mason in a certain sense. The Oni, the Enlobonim, the Suma, the Eva, the Suma, that's the blind person, and the Metzairah, the one who asks Tzaras. And that's why the Pasuk says in Shmos, a beautiful Vilna Gon, Pasuk says, Vayamas paro melech Mitzrayim. And Parag Beis Pasuk of Gimel. And Rashi cites the Medrash that he didn't really die. Of course he didn't die. We know he's alive. So what happened to him? He was afflicted with leprosy. Ask the Vilna Gon, how did Rashi know that? How did Chazal know that? Maybe he really died. Maybe he had something else. The Vilna Gon says, 
how that if he really died, we wouldn't call him Melech Mitzrayim anymore. Meru Shekol Asrabah ain't shot the Miyam among us. In the day of death, what does it say by Dovah? The Aftor Rapashas Vayichi? Vayikar Vu Yemei Dovah Lomas, writes the Menrush, not Dovah the Melech, because in the day of death, no one's called a Melech anymore. If we still call a Melech Mitzrayim, that clearly indicates he didn't die. So that means what? He's subject to one of the four things that a Choshev Kameis, Mitzrayim, has to be. Why? Because ain't no bottom. We know he had children. Max Bechoros, he lost his son, the heir, the successor to the throne. And Ani, someone who's destitute, we know Paro was extremely wealthy. Haiver, we know that he was able to see, he was communicating with Moshe and Aaron, the only one left. The Vilnagon explains, is Mitzayra, that's a Chazal knew, that Vayamas Paro Machmachayim is afflicted with leprosy. I mean, that's Chana's idea where Chana says, I was in the bottom, I was Choshev Kameis. It doesn't mean only a life and death, which of course is in the hands of the Almighty above, but it means that what? Hashem Memes Machayim could take someone who thinks they have all of life and he could bring them down and give them something that's comparable to death. Or he could give chiyas, where you think someone's destined for death. Uh, someone who's kamesi he can bring them back to life. Mowed shol There are some people that he lowers into the shawl, into the abyss, dahinu, into the grave. Vayal, but he can also raise a person up from the depths, from the abyss and elevate them and bring them back to life. Now this is not just a reference to herself. We pointed out already in the Targum Yonasan, the Targum Yuchas to Yonasan, based on the Gemara Megillah of Gilmah we know uh, that he was revealing hidden secrets. She was one of the prophetesses, that's Gemara Megillah Yedala and Manal. Chana was one of the seven female prophets. So she's not just talking about her all night. What is she referring to over here? Unbelievable. Let's go back to Pasig Dalit. Let's work with the Targum now. She's not just talking about her relationship with Penina and the fact of children, no children. All right, the Targum Yonas and the Pasig Dalit. Amachus Yovan Isnabia. She was simultaneously having a prophecy. Amachus Yovan. And she said, What? The Yavan and the Greeks, they have the power of the Giborim. Hashem's going to smash their bows and arrows. Udebeis Chashmanoi. Davachalosh. And he's talking about a group of Kohanim. Physically, they might have been weak, but Hashem gave them the strength. Yes, Abdul Naho Nisan Gavur and Hashem did for them miracles and gave them above Teva, Alamaidlamana Teva Givura, Azuchail, and the small little handful of Hashmanoi over to Gyava. Let's go on to Posake. What are you referring to? After Yava, what are we going to talk about? Mordechai and Esther, Parasimandai. We gotta bring in Mordechai and Esther. And that is the case of Sveim Malachim Neskoreivim Chadelu. And the end of the day, they were persecuted. They were in the world of Choshech. And what are we talking about? Mordechai and Esther. Tahavach Hashich and Miskinin. And then Asaru. The Jews were going to be destroyed. Uh, they were the victims. And what happens? And they get put on top. Mordechai becomes the Mishnah Lamelch Achashverosh. And they get put on top. And that's what she was referring to, Mordechai and Esther. In addition, Ken Yerushalayim. And why is she mentioning Akara? Adakara in the second part of Pasakei, the Targum Yonasan shifts and says she's thinking about Yushalayim of Dilo Asit. And that even though in Eicha, by the Chorban Abayas, Havis Ke'itza Akara, even though we know Yushalayim metaphorically is considered like an Isha Akara Dilo Yalado, like the Navi tells us in the pages of Eicha, writes the Targum Asida, the Tismalei Ma'am Gavasal, Averomi Demaya Sagyam Amaya Supermashasal, Titzdei Vesichro. Uh, that what? Uh, we're going to be in the second Golos, Ace of Romi, 
and they're going to take us into Golis. Yishalayim will be barren from all Jews, but in the future, what's going to happen? Hashem is going to take the mighty, powerful Klaisol and fill up the streets of Yishalayim yet again. And Romi, that put us into Golis, Hashem is going to capture them and utterly destroy them. You think Rome's on top of the world? The United States, Russia, Europe, England, etc. Hashem is going to bring them down and Christ will emerge victorious against all its adversaries. So let's continue the thought. Hashem was famous and now she's again highlighting personally, I thought I was dead, Hashem gave me back life. And it could take someone who felt like she was morid, sunk into the abyss, into the grave, and it could raise and elevate as such a person. Again, the continuation of the theme, Pasik Zion, Hashem, always Hashem, be the Sarachameh. Morishamashir, Hashem could take the wealthy and bring him down and make him impoverished. Hashem could take the Dal. Uh, the lowly, the destitute one, a mashir, and bring him from rags to riches. A mashpil af Hashem can humble uh, the mighty and the powerful, and he can even elevate uh, those who are weak. What's the af? Comes the Mitzudah's David. A mashpil, bazem mashpil geyas, mashpil geyim, shefalim. Hashem takes what? He can lower the game, the bali gaiva, the haughty, supercilious ones of the world, the ones who think they have everything. And what's af meromeim? Not just to see saw that he'll elevate the lowly ones, the impoverished ones. Af meromeim, he'll elevate them above those who they were being persecuted by. And not just will Hashem elevate them. Af meromeim writes in Mitzvah's David. Af yiskru Hashem will have those who were so wealthy. Are they going to be so destitute? They're going to have to hire themselves out just to get bread. The Yerumu Odaleim Hashem is going to elevate the downtrodden lowly ones, elevate them above everyone else, and that's Klai Yisrael. Just like Chana was now elevated above Penina, so too Klai Yisrael is going to be elevated above all their adversaries. And we'll just close today with Pasuches. Again, continuing the theme, I make him a offer doll. Now, again, you can ask, yes, once I have a Targum Yonas on, then I know Chana is sharing with us a prophecy about the future, so we can understand why she's uh, elaborating and expounding because she's talking about Yerushalayim and Mordechai and Esther and Yavon and so many future events as a Navi, in this case a Navia, would expectly do. Uh, but in the world of Pshuto Shemikra, yes, I have different choice metaphors, but why does she have to be Marech? It's an important point and it's a morale in the end of Gavur Hashem and Perach Samach Beis. Morale says anytime a miracle happens to you, and just like when you go on vacation and you go on your best vacation and what do you do when you come back home you can't stop talking about it no matter what and that's the thrill Reader's Digest wrote a piece years ago that as much as 50% of the joy of a vacation is coming back and sharing the experiences with everybody else showing them the pictures and showing them your journal and talking about this and talking about that Morel says uh, we have a claw uh, we have a claw the Gemara and Brochus and Gimel and Megillah Chafei uh, that we're supposed to be Makatsev. Let's say you're in Shmon and you stand out Shmon Nairo, and you want to say, Hashem, I, want, I have a list of 50 things I wrote out. Hashem, you're this and you're that. I, the Gemara says somebody tried doing that once by Rav and Abaye, and he said, Akami Why'd you stop at 50? Go on to 500. Why 500? 5,000. What Anche Knezza Gedele put into davening, that's what we do. We can add a million things onto the list. 
And we don't add merely things. You keep with the Nusachat Filah. You can add whatever Bakashas Tachrum at the end of Shemun Esrei, but you don't add on. So, why ask the Maral when it comes to Tzipah Yitzchayim, Kolamabra, the Sabbath, Yitzchayim, the Meshubach? We're going over the same thing over and over again. All the Makkas and Kriyas, how much are we talking about it? Abba God, you did this and you saved us and all these different metaphors. Why? He says, because when it's a miracle, you show a Kodesh Bochu, a miracle happens, I can't stop talking about it. So, a regular day of davening, you go just without Shekinesa But if Hashem does a miracle for you, uh, then you keep talking about it over and over and over again. You can't stop talking about it. That's the chance to sign. Do I know what? Hashem saved us in clearly miraculous fashion. Now it's Meshubach, and your Meshubach be expounding as much as you want. That's the idea of Rabbi Kivan, the sages, if their Talmudim didn't come in to remind them of Kriyashman, the Baral writes in his parish in the Godesh of Pesach, how, these are the ones who gave us the halacha. So they told us the halacha is that you stop, according to Lazar, you stop at 12 o'clock at Chatzos Salayla. Even Rabbi Akiva, you could go until the morning, but in the end of the day, they got so lost, they almost forgot the David. How is that shaykh? Maral says, because they were so thankful to Kodesh they couldn't stop talking. And when you're on such a spiritual high, you can't stop talking. And that's the idea. That's why Neilo, you know you're having a good Neilo if you don't look at your clock. I know you're having a good Neilo in Yom Kippur if you're not thinking about the orange juice and the coffee and the hot cinnamon buns and the vegetable soup that's awaiting you. Rabbi Alexander Ziskin writes, Neilo means Hashem, I don't want to look at a clock, I could go on forever. That's when you feel the closest. Rabbi Akiva, they almost forgot to dive in because they were so basking in proximity to the divine. How they couldn't stop. Chana is so overwhelmed with emotion. And as we said, she was buried. A nace happened. And when a nace happened, she says, I can't stop praising it. Make a mayor for doll. Shem does what? Raises the lowly ones. And the needy ones raises them from the offer, from the dirt. They feel offer them in Adama and the lowliest places. And Hashem picks them up, just like Mechayim Esim, Tchiyasim Esim is. Picking them up out of the dirt. May Ashbos, not just the dirt from the lowly heaps of trash, of garbage. Hashem as Yorim will elevate the Evyon. Evyon is even lower than the Dao, lower than the Ani. Ani means afflicted. Dao means lowly. Evyon means what? The poorest person is an Evyon. The Rishonim explained Rabbi Machai and others. Evyon is Loshan Ava. Thirsting, desiring, a pining, a longing. Dhani has certain basic needs. The Evian has nothing. He feels he's down in the dumps and the heaps of trash. Even the Evian, Hashem will elevate at times. The Hoshiv and Nadim, not just to take him out of the dirty, smelly dumps, but he'll place him alongside the Nadivan, the aristocratic and noble ones, place them right at the same table. And not just that, Kisei Kovet. Kisei Kovet. What do we talk about, Kisei Kovet? Hashem's Lifne Kisei Kovetcha. Kisei Kovet. Hashem says, I'll give them a sampling of my Kisei Kovet. I could take the lowliest person in the world. And put him on a kisei kavod. And we know we had this Yosef Atzadik. He wasn't just afflicted. He was down in the depths. He was in the ashes. He was with the lowest uh, dirt of society in the dungeons of Egypt where barely anyone ever came out alive. And when Hashem not just rescue, not just take him out, he gave him the kisei kavod. He put him on charge of all the Mitzrayim. Hashem can go ahead and endow him with a seat of honor 
uh, just along the Nadivim. Why? At the end of the day, and there's no sixth century Persian Zoroastrianism, no force of evil outside of God. The same way, the pillars of the earth, of the ground, all belong to God. And upon those pillars, on the basis of the world, Hashem set. And the entire planet, Olam Tevel, is the world, the universe. Hashem placed it on the pillars. He established the pillars. He can move the pillars at will. And that's the whole idea of uh, you can have a flooded tsunami that could take away 200,000 lives in an instant. All Hashem has to do is shift the pillars upholding the world. A slight shift in the tectonic plates on the bottom, on the dirt, the floor of the ocean, in the sea, a little shift. All Hashem controls the pillars. All He has to do is rock the pillars and controls the entire world. That's what Hannah recognized in an instant. She could go from being Chosh of Kameis, from being lowly of the lowly, and Panina was on the top, and Zek comes in Ofo. Look at the shift. Everything turned Mamish Pito, and that's the same thing that Mit Hashem is going to happen soon. You might think the United States and Russia, they're on top. Uh, you might think the guy in there on top of the world in the mainstream, woke, liberal, progressive media, and Israel, even after this, ah, the victim of... And one second, Hashem could turn it all upside down. And I'll just close that they asked Rav Elia Ber the son of the free Yedik Lakewood Mashkiach, Rav Nasameh They said, your father said, when Mashiach comes, he's going to come Petom, and the whole world is going to turn upside down instantly. And they asked... Avel Yaber, how could your father say it's going to be instant? If we got up this morning and we said the Animamas, and we really believe right now, at 12.44, we say Animamim Mona Shalema, so Mashiach comes five minutes from now. What do you mean, Pitom? It's not sudden. I daven for it. I'm expecting it any day. you got your Mashiach bag packed in the closet. I, the Mashiach bag is ready to go. I, I mentioned many times, a woman says, Rabbi, I don't need a Mashiach bag. I have my iPhone. I'm ready to go. I just need my phone. I said, you won't need your phone when Mashiach comes. He says, well, I need the charger. You certainly won't need the charger. You won't need your iPhone. But he, what do you mean you can come Pitom? But El Yaber said, you know what my father meant? My father meant you could get up in the morning and say, Ani Mamet. And you could say, Ani Mamet, it's at 12.45 on a Monday afternoon. And at 12.47, even when he comes, it's going to be Pitom. Because the world will change so drastically, be turned so upside down, with their soul on top. <coughs> and the world seeing the truth and reflecting back and seeing how wrong they were, it's going to turn upside down. And one split second. So the same way Rapam said, you know why there's a United Nations? What's going on in the United Nations, it makes no sense. And all the resolutions against Israel makes no sense. Why does God let it happen? Because <clears throat> when God sends Mashiach to Canaan and turns the whole world upside down, the guy we're going to say, like the Gemara relates in Avodazar, that base. What do you mean, God? We did it all for the Jews. We love the Jews all along. What do you mean? We built them, we, we built Mel Life Stadium so they could have a see Mashas. We did it all for them. All the roads and all the highways. We didn't dislike the Jews. Hashem's going to hold up all the resolutions for the United Nations. And He's going to hold up all those written, signed, on paper resolutions. And show the world, all the nations of the world, you were always anti-Semitic. Halacha bi'adua, Esav, Sonius, Yaakov. No way to deny it. Hashem's going to hold up all the media. And New York Times and everything going on in these elite college universities. Hashem's going to hold it up and say, I got it all in print. All the newspapers. And the world's going to be turned upside down in a second. Even if it happens one minute from now, it's going to be such a hergish, a pitom all of a sudden. Because we're going to see the whole world turn upside down in an instant. Hopefully that's going to happen today. Say anima.
Kulamu with Kavana. Let's all get back home to Shlomo. Rakodesh have an amazing day. <laughs> We were talking about um, the Kushners. Yes. So I was just thinking that uh, the same way that she said the the, log- the intellectual can't work on the emotion, that there's so much hate in the world today. Right. There's, there's no reasoning with them. You right. can't no, talk just like, that. Just like Ava Makakelsa Shashura, Sinema Makakelsa Shashura, and it totally distorts the Seichel. 